But no, it is a great joy to be here. We enjoyed our drive down yesterday from Nashville. Drew, drove through parts of Alabama I hadn't been in years, I guess. Uh, I used to live in Montgomery, Alabama, for about seven years. So I'm familiar with a lot of that territory. But driving through uh, Auburn, uh, I had to hold my nose a little bit. But, you know, I just, you know, uh, but, <laughs> uh, but it's good to be here. I'm grateful. Uh, for your uh, hospitality, and grateful for the opportunity to share with you a little bit about our experience today. Because as we experience the table today, we're going to experience it maybe differently than, I don't know if it's different than you've ever experienced it before, but different uh, than normal, what you're probably used to experiencing and what I want to share with you here in a few, for a few moments is um, kind of the, the, how that experience really is part of the story, part of the story of God, that God has always been interested in tables. In fact, when we go back to the story of Israel, it's a story about tables, and I'm not just talking about the Passover, which of course is a table coming out of Egypt and that Passover before they left and uh, crossed the Red Sea. But I'm talking about the tables that are a part of the regular, normal rhythm of Israel's life with God. It's a table that in one sense began at Passover, but it actually began at Mount Sinai. In fact, Paul says, you know, when, he's think, when Paul's thinking about the Lord's Supper or what the Lord's table, um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 15, 16, 17, he says, the, the cup which we bless, is it not a sharing in the blood of Christ? And the bread which we break, is it not a sharing in the body of Christ? For there is one bread... For there is one body, and we are members of one body. And then Paul says, kind of strangely, but if you know the story, it's not strange at all. Because Paul then says, consider Israel. Well, wait a minute, you know. Consider Israel. We're just talking about the Lord's Supper, right? Paul says, yeah, consider Israel. I want you to learn something from Israel that gives meaning to this moment right here about the Lord's Supper or about the table. He said, consider Israel that those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar. Those who eat the sacrifices. Now, I don't know if that sounds strange to you or not, maybe it doesn't. That's good. Because that means you know the story. Because eating sacrifices is integral to the rhythm and the worship and the life of Israel. You see, when they sacrificed those animals, they didn't just kill them and pour the blood out and throw the carcass away. They ate them. And they ate them at tables. And when they ate them at tables, they ate with God. They ate in the presence of God. 
In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter, oh, I think it's 27, about verse 7 or so, 6, 7, 8, it says that they offered burnt offerings and they offered fellowship offerings and they ate and drank rejoicing in the presence of God. Eating and drinking is a time of rejoicing. And that joy comes from the reality of God's presence. That this eating and drinking doesn't happen kind of out there somewhere. Or it doesn't happen in isolation from who God is, or the presence of God, or the fellowship of God, or the communion with God. This eating and drinking takes place in the presence of God. And that is why it's a rejoicing moment. It's a moment of joy. So I want to take you back to Israel's first table experience. Oh, I know the Passover was their first. Okay, don't get me wrong. I understand that. But I'm talking about their first table experience after their baptism. Remember, as they crossed the Red Sea, they were baptized in the sea and under the cloud, right? They were baptized into Moses. They became a community. They became part of the, re, of the fellowship of God, the community of God, the people of God. And they came from the river, from the water, you might say. They came from the water and they came to a mountain. And this was the whole point of God liberate, liberating them from their slavery. It wasn't, ah, you're free, just now go, you know. No, you're free, come to me. You are free from that slavery, now come to me and be with me. And He brings them to Mount Sinai in order that they might meet God. And the description of their meeting of God is in Exodus chapters 19 to 24. And the climax is this moment in Exodus 24. In Exodus 24, God, through Moses, calls the people together. And they read the book of the covenant. And they erect an altar. And Moses says, do you agree to keep the words of this covenant? Are you willing to make the commitment? Is this something you're willing to do? Will you live as my people who image me and reflect me? Will you live life in a way that honors and, re and reflects who I am? Will you be the image of God in the world? And Israel says, yes, we will. We'll do that. And so they kill the animal. They offer two kinds of sacrifices that day in Exodus 24. The first sacrifice is a burnt offering. And the burnt offering is when you, you give it all to God, right? You burn the whole thing up. In Greek, it's called holocaustus. You might hear the word holocaust in that, right? You burn it all up to God. It's a way of saying, everything I am belongs to you. But the other sacrifice is called, and your translations might say it differently, fellowship offering, well-being offering, peace offering, because that word is a tough word to translate. It is this sense of wholeness, of relational wholeness. It's about communion. It's about relationship. It's about peace. 
that well-being. So when you eat this meal, this sacrifice, when you, when you offer this sacrifice, you, you kill the animal, and you take the blood. Uh, after you slit the throat of the animal, you take the blood, and you take it over to the altar, and you pour the blood at the altar. And then you take the animal, in the regular life of Israel, you take the animal to the butcher shop, which is kind of in the temple area or in the tabernacle area, and the priests butcher the animal up, and they give parts of the animal to the priest. They give parts of the animal to God. God gets the fat, right? God gets the best part, right? God burned the fat up to God. The rest of the animal is given to the worshiper. And the worshiper takes it home and eats it. Now, fellowship offerings have to be eaten within two days. For example, Hannah. Hannah, uh, after she had Samuel, remember she goes down to the tabernacle to give thanks to God? Remember what she takes with her? She takes some wheat for bread. She takes some wine. And she takes a three-year-old bull. Now, a three-year-old bull is a pretty big animal, right? Uh, I asked a cattle friend of mine one time, um, you know, how, how much edible meat can you get out of a three-year-old bull? And he gives me this lawyer answer. You know, it's the kind of answer that's it's true, but it doesn't mean anything, right? I mean, that's kind of a lawyer answer. He gives me this lawyer answer. He says, it depends on how big it is. And I say, no joke. Okay, I understand that. Can you just give me kind of a ballpark figure here? You know, just somewhere in the neighborhood. I mean, I don't have a clue. So you have a clue. So just give me a clue. So he said, you know, between 400, 600 pounds of edible meat. Now, Hannah is offering that as a fellowship offering, a Thanksgiving offering. And she's got to eat all that meat in two days. What do you think she's going to do with that? She's going to have a party. She's going to invite her village. She's going to celebrate with her community. right? That's what fellowship offerings are about. They're not just about me and God, right? Fellowship offerings about community. It's about me offering something to God to say, thank you, God. Or, here's a vow, God. Or, I want to commune with you, God. But, it's not something I do alone. It's something I do at table with others. I bring that animal back to the village that's been butchered and i got 400 pounds of meat. And I say, we're going to party for a couple of days. Right? That's what a fellowship offering is. And so in Exodus 24, they offer those burnt offerings, and then they offer this fellowship offering. And I want you to pay attention to what happens with the fellowship offering. It's down in verses 9 through 11 of Exodus 24. And I want to read this, because I want to make sure we get this on target here. It says, Then Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel went up. They went up on Mount Sinai. They went up. And they saw the God of Israel. Now that's not the word you would expect to see. right? 
they saw the God of Israel. Under his feet there was something like a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. God did not lay his hand on the chief men of the people of Israel, and they saw God, and they ate and drank. You hear that? They went up on the mountain, and they ate and drank, seeing God. They ate and drank in the presence of God. And this is what Israel did every time they ate a fellowship offering. They ate, as that Deuteronomy text says, they ate before the face of God. They ate rejoicing in the presence of God. Because the fellowship offering is a place where God and the Israelites, God and the people of God, communed with each other and with God. It was a communal event. That's what table is, isn't it? Isn't that what table is? It's a communal event. That's why we got tables like this. You're going to have to look at people while you eat. You know? And we know that, don't we? We know that table is a, is a communal event. When you have a family meal at home, you don't go sit in different rooms. Right? You sit together. When you have a Thanksgiving meal at your house, you know, I understand some families are so large you can't put them all in the same room. But you think something's a little strange if somebody goes off by themselves. Say, hey, y'all don't come in here. I'm, this is just me and God in here. You know? No, this is community, right? This is community. This is what table is about. It's about being in relationship with the other person, being in relationship with God. And this is Israel's rhythm. Whenever they ate, the sacrifices, they communed with God and with each other. It wasn't something they did by themselves or alone. And that's table in the history of Israel. Now, that, and it was a meal, right? They ate a bull <laughs> or, or other kind of animals, right? Lamb or goat or whatever, but they ate. They had bread and they had drink and they had meat. Probably about the only time they ever ate meat, for the most part, in their diet. And that's why it was such a celebration to eat together. Now, for example, you know, when they celebrated the Passover, um, they had, uh, you know, Passover is just a form of fellowship meal. And in Hezekiah's time, when they had the Passover, and they thought, man, this is so great, let's do this for another week. And they went two weeks for Passover. And it says they, they killed I don't remember exactly. I think it was like 30,000 bulls. They sacrificed 30,000 bulls. You think, wow, God's pretty demanding, isn't he? You know, he needs, he needs 30,000 bulls. Is that how, many God, how many bulls you need, God? You need 30,000 bulls? No, you've got that many people. That's why you need 30,000 bulls. So this is the rhythm of Israel sitting at table with each other eating together, rejoicing in the presence of the Lord. But it's also the future. I'll take you to another text. This one in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 25. And here's some language I'm probably will sound familiar to you. 
Isaiah 25, beginning in verse 6, says, On this mountain, Isaiah 25, beginning in verse 6, on this mountain, now we're talking about Mount Sinai, right? Now we're talking about a different mountain, Mount Zion. But this mountain is Mount Zion in the future. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples, not just Israel, but for all peoples, a feast of rich food. I don't know if you translate it. Some translations take it more, render it more literally. Um, Fatty food. That's the best kind of food, right? The fatty food, right? It's the kind of food Doc says I shouldn't eat, right? But it tastes so good, you know? But it's fatty food. It's the best, best kind of food, right? It's fatty food, a feast of well-aged grape juice. That's what it says, right? A rich food filled with marrow of well-aged wine strained clear. There's a feast, food and drink. And he will destroy on this mountain. See, on that mountain, something's going to be missing. When that mountain comes, he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples. What kind of shroud is he talking about? The sheet that is spread over all nations. It's that death sheet, that shroud that you put over our lost loved ones. And God will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces. And the disgrace of his people will be taken away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. What, what is that vision of? You want to wipe away every tear? You've heard that one before, right? In the book of Revelation, God will wipe away all tears, every tear from our eyes, right? Talking about the new heaven and new earth. When the heaven descends to the new earth, the new heaven descends to the new earth, and the temple of God which is the presence of God because there's no temple needed because God himself is there, right? There's no sun needed because God provides the light because God is present on that mountain, which is a mountain. The city of the New Jerusalem is on this mountain. And on that mountain, there'll be no more death and there'll be no more pain. And there'll be no more crying. and God will wipe away all the tears. And there's going to be a banquet of rich food and aged wine. There's going to be a table there. Right? There's going to be a table in Israel, and there's going to be a table in the new heaven and new earth. Jesus talked about that, by the way. What, something like Luke 13, verse 25, somewhere in there. Jesus talks about that they'll come from the north and the south and the east and the west, and they will come and sit and eat at the table of the Lord, the table of God, the king in the kingdom of God. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. That table, you know, at that table, those who are last now will be first then. Lazarus and rich man going to switch places, right? In that new heaven and new earth, right? Jesus also said something about that table in Luke chapter 13. Um, about verse 35 or so. No, Luke 12, excuse me, Luke 12, about verse 35. Let me, let's just read this one, because this, this is a beautiful picture. Beautiful picture. 
Luke 12, about 35. Yeah, 35. Jesus is telling a little parable here. Be dressed for action and have your lambs lit. Be like those who are awaiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. All right, so the Lord's coming back, right? That's the parable. The Lord is coming back. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly I tell you. Now here's the point I wanted to get to. Truly I tell you, he, the master, the Lord, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat. And he, the master, will come and serve them. When Jesus returns and takes us to that table in the new heaven and new earth, Jesus is going to be the waiter. He's going to be the deacon. That's that word serve here. That's where we get deacon from. Jesus is going to be the deacon at that table. He's going to be the waiter at that table. He's going to serve the table. You know, and that shouldn't find, we shouldn't find that too strange. Now we might think, well, he's supposed to be king on the throne. Well, he's getting off the throne and he's going to put the towel on himself and he's going to fasten all that he needs and he's going to serve the table in the new heaven and new earth. And we shouldn't think that too strange because that's exactly what he did when he was on earth, right? He did it at the table, didn't he? When he washed those feet. And he did it on the table when he said, this is my body, which is given for you. I'm serving you. You see, Jesus serves us at the table even today. When we say to each other, this is my body, which is given for you. Or this is my blood, which is poured out for you. I am giving myself to you. I am serving you. And even at Luke 22, when Jesus is sitting at table with His disciples and an argument breaks out about who's the greatest. Can you imagine that? Having an argument at the Lord's table. That don't happen, does it? I mean, but you know. But that's what happened. An argument broke out about who's the greatest. Just right after Jesus said, this is my body which is given for you, and this is my blood which is poured out for you, the disciples say, hey, that kingdom's coming. What's going to be your role? I'm going to be, you know. Hey, Jesus loves me more than he loves you. you know, he likes me, right? I'm going to be... You can hear the argument going on. And Jesus breaks into the argument. He says, can you... I wish I had a kind of an audio-inspired Bible, you know? Because I'd like to hear the tone of voice. Jesus says, what are you fools talking about? You know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I wonder what, wonder what he would actually say there, right? Uh, I wonder what that tone of voice is when he says... Look around. You know, who, who's, the, who's the Lord of this table? Who's the host of this table? You know, I am. But I am among you as one who serves. I'm not here as the Lord of this table. I am among you as one who serves. So the table is the place where Jesus serves us. It's true now and it's going to be true then. So I want you to hear that story, see? I want you to see the story of that table in Israel. A table with a meal. A table with food and drink. A table with the sacrificed animal that you are eating 
and eating in the presence of God. And I want you to see this vision of the table that is to come. The table in the new heaven and new earth where there's no more death and no more crying and no more pain, no more suffering. And Jesus serves us at that table. Now, can you imagine those two tables? That table in Israel that is full of rejoicing and community. That table in the new heaven and earth that is full of rejoicing and community. Now, I want you to imagine your table here in the church. Typically, does our table in the church look like either one of those tables? It's as if the story of God's taken a dip or something, right? But the table is a place where we hear Jesus say to us, this is my body given for you. And we say, thank you. This is my blood which is poured out for you. And we say, We don't say it in some kind of morbid way. We say it in a way that rejoices in the gift and boasts in the cross and rejoices in the fact that the living Christ is speaking those words to us. Because that's the story in Luke 24, isn't it? Remember those two disciples on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24? Where they're... They're filled with sorrow, right? They're filled with hurt and pain. They're disappointed. They tell this fellow who came up next to them, we had hoped. We thought he was. We thought he was the Messiah. We had hoped he would be the one to redeem Israel. But, you know, he was a good man. He was, did a lot of good things. But he's dead. And he's not the Messiah. And they're walking home with dejected faces, with lament on their hearts rather than joy. And they come to this place in Emmaus. They come to the house and and the fellow who was walking with them is about to walk on down the road and they invite him in for hospitality. They say, well, you know, it's getting late. Why don't you come on in, stay the night with us and have a meal, lodge with us. And you know what that fellow does? He becomes the host of the table. I mean, that's what you do when you're invited in somebody's house, right? When you're invited in someone's home, you go into their house and they say, okay, we're going to have this for supper. I'm going to sit right there. I'm going to lead the prayer. And, you know, I'll just take over things. But that's what, that's what this fellow did. It says he sat down with them at the table. And he took the bread. And he gave thanks. And he broke it. And he gave it to them. And he says, and their eyes were opened. And they saw. saw the living Christ. Just like Israel on that mountain, right? They saw God. 
They ate and drank and saw God. These disciples, they are sitting down to this table, and it's Jesus who is sitting with them, and they don't know it until He breaks that bread and gives it to them, and their eyes are open and they see the living Christ among them. And their first response is, I'm sorry you had to die for us. Their first response is great joy. Now Jesus disappears, and what they do is they get up and they run back to Jerusalem to tell the other disciples that in the breaking of the bread, He was revealed to us. The living Christ is revealed in the breaking of the bread. Now, in that moment, in the breaking of the bread, it's not a moment of sadness. It's not a moment of sorrow. It's a moment where we receive a gift. It's a moment when our eyes are open and we see the living Christ. And when we are in the presence of the living Christ, we rejoice. It's the living Christ who is with us. You know, someone once said to me that they had this experience that someone had told them as they, you know, they were in the sanctuary or whatever you want to call it, you know, the, the worship space, and, and they were a little rowdy, you know, they were young. And uh, a gentleman comes up to them and says, shh. You know, and I can understand the concern for reverence and, you know, respect. And I understand that. But here's what, here's what this person said. Shh. The dead body of Christ is on the table. Is that what you believe? The dead body of Christ is on the table. Brothers and sisters, I don't believe that. I believe the living Christ breaks the bread. The living Christ says to me, this is my body which is given for you. The living Christ pours the cup and says, this is my blood. This is life. This is not some kind of dead Christ. This is the living Christ who is not only on the table, but is at the table and is serving the table. This living Christ is the host of this table. This living Christ is the one who serves this table and gives us a new life through His body and His blood. It is the living body and blood of Christ by which we are nourished. Because the living Christ, then raised from the dead, sits at the right hand of the Father, and at this table, offers us life. That's what the bread is. It's about life, isn't it? We are nourished by this life. And the blood gives life. And so when we sit at this table, we rejoice in the presence of the living Christ. See, I think that's what changed for those disciples on the road to Emmaus, right? You see it? When they came to that table, it was still Friday in their head. Right? 
You know that old African-American sermon goes back to slave days. It's Friday, but what? Sunday's coming, right? It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Well, it was Friday for them sitting at that table. But Sunday showed up. Because the living Christ was raised on the first day of the week, and the living Christ was at that table, and the table transformed their Friday into Sunday. Brothers and sisters, why do we still eat at the table? Why do we eat at the table like it's still Friday? It's Sunday. It's the first day of the week. It's the living Christ who is present among us. It's not Friday anymore. We can remember Friday. That's fine. But what we experience is Sunday. Because it is the living Christ who is at the table, on the table, and serving the table. Amen. You know, that I can, you think about that story in Acts chapter 20, you know, at Troas when, when they came together to break bread. And you remember what happened on that Sunday, right? It's the only, it's the only Sunday service Luke tells us about other than Luke 24. Luke 24 is a Sunday service he tells us about. These two disciples at the table with Jesus, right? But the only Sunday service Luke tells us about, explicitly, is that Acts 20, when they came together on the first day of the week to break bread. You remember what happened that day? Some young fool fell out the window, you know, right? Falling asleep, fell out the window, up and died. Y'all heard that expression before, right? He up and died. I've never really understood it, but it, it, you know, it's true, I guess. He fell down and died, I think, is what happened there. And they go down and they raise him from the dead. And they come back up and it says Paul broke bread. And I don't think he did that by himself. You know? But he broke bread. Now, I want you to imagine the person sitting next to you is that young man. You're sitting at table with Eutychus. You're sitting at table with the man who's just been raised from the dead. You got any questions for him? You know, like, was it warm? I want to know if I'm on the right track here. You know? Okay. But you guys, but you're sitting at table with him, and you think if you're sitting, if you're breaking bread with Eutychus, Sitting right next to you, you think you're going to take that table, that moment, that bread and wine, you're going to sit there and say, don't bother me, Eutychus, I'm just here with God. <laughs> or you think you're going to say, all right, yeah, I know you've been raised from the dead, but, but this is a sad moment. We're going to stay right here in the sadness. Brothers and sisters, we, we still eat the supper like it's Friday. We're not eating on Friday. We're eating on the first day of the week. We're eating with Eutychus sitting next to us. Except for us, it's the living Christ who sits next to us. And it is a moment of joy and rejoicing. In a few moments, we're going to sit at table with one another. And like Israel in the past, and like the new heaven and new earth in the future, we're going to have a meal together. And this is going to be a meal where we are going to be conscious of the fact 
that the living Christ is serving this table, is at this table, and is on this table. And I'll have some instructions for us uh, about how we, how we do this so we keep our focus. You know, I, I know that when we're eating together, our minds can wander all kinds of places, you know, and I know it's getting close to football season, and there's some revenge that's supposed to happen, you know, in, in that football season, you know. Uh, but that's not what we're about today. Amen. We're about living and being and eating with the living Christ. And so as, I'll, as, we have the, as that moment begins, I'll have some instruction for you. Some of them are going to be really hard. Like the primary instruction, the first instruction, I should say, is going to be really hard. And it's this, don't eat until everybody has their food. <laughs> All right? You know, Paul did say everybody needs to wait, right? So we're going to wait for everybody to have their food. So that, I want to give you that instruction right, on, right now so that you can remember that. When you get your food and you sit down, go ahead and drink what you want to drink, but don't start your meal until we give thanks together at the table of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for this moment. We give you thanks for the life that you gave to your Son, raising Him from the dead, lifting Him up, exalting Him to your right hand, that we might feed on Him and be nourished by His life that we might have in our own blood and bones the life of Your Son by the Spirit of God. Thank You for Your love and for Your grace. Give us Your peace and Your joy in this moment. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.